Hello and welcome to the very first episode of The Rolling Ball, a new Leicester Tigers fans podcast here to laugh and moan about all things that are Tigers related. And over there we've got Elliot. Hello. Uh, and I'm Mike. And today, in our very first pod, uh, we're going to be doing part one of our season preview uh, from our Tigers lens. And we'll be looking forward to the upcoming season and having a closer look at some of the new additions coming in on and off the field. We'll also be talking about the change in captaincy and, of course, we'll be running the rule on this season's stash. Uh, part two will be next week, where we're going to be looking over the rest of the league as a whole and the expectations and targets for the Tigers from our point of view. Right, well, since it's our first pod, it's only right to introduce ourselves. So I'll pass over to Elliot and he can tell him, uh, can tell you, rather, all about himself, aka the more insightful half of the pod. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much, Mike. So my name's Elliot, and I look after the blog online called A View from Ellie 2 which is specifically about all things Leicester Tigers and sometimes a little bit about Leicester City and the cricket. Um, followed Leicester Tigers since 2004, and you can normally find me and Rilal back in the grounds on the terrace, usually berating referees and the opposition from the safety of the, uh, from the touchline. Brave man, very brave man. Yeah, I'd I'd classify it as offering support, professional support for the referees. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they do miss the offside line, and you just need to bellow offside or every time referee. Yeah, Tony, totally from the from, from minute one, from minute one, I think you just got to <laughs> you just got to be that helping hand for yeah. things they face. They don't see. That's it. First offence. They've been doing it all day, ref. Yeah, every time, ref. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, as Elliot said, uh, I, I, well, sorry, as I said, I'm Mike. Uh, I grew up in Leicester, bounced around Sydney and London before ending up as an exile in the West Country, leaving a legacy of poor to average rugby displays at numerous clubs in my wake. Uh, I blew my knee out back in 2012, so I started up a rugby blog called Rocktober, which was a bit of fun, uh, but I've had to curtail that due to... Uh, a very lovely but extremely energetic son. Uh, but like Elliot, I'm less through and through and found some time to put this podcast together. And I'm really looking forward uh, to amateur podcasting with you, sir. And to uh, yourself. Well, yeah, here's to, here's to the next uh, nine months or so of the season. But now that's out of the way, before we get started properly, uh, we just need to say that this podcast is currently available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. So if you like us, please rate and subscribe. And if you want to get in touch, Drop us an email at therollingmall at outlook.com or follow us on Twitter with the handle at rollingmallpod. That's all one word. Uh, we set this podcast up to be 100% unofficial by the fans and for the fans and all that. So please send us any views or topics that you want us to chat about. Right. Well, let's get on with it. Elliot, only one place to start in my view. Ellis Genge, captain for this year. What are your thoughts? Right call? I think it's a great call. I think it's absolutely great call from Steve to go for it. To be fair, we are blessed in the squad at the moment with a good range of leadership material candidates. So I think it was probably a tough, tough call to choose one. Um, but yeah, again, I think it's a great, great call. And his maturity over the last 12 to 18 months has really started to shine through. And it's, it's, it's shone through into his performances as well. So he's a guy that walk, does, does more than talks. I think he'll lead by example. Like Tom Young said, he brings people together and he's at the right age now at 26 where he's got a bit of youth and a bit of experience and a bit of experience at the same time. So I think it's a great call. I think the reaction from the squad um, that were buzzing for him says it all. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great call from Steve. Great reaction for the fans as well. But if you read all the comments, you know, on social media, it's been really good. Um, I think it's quite interesting that Ellis Genge is captain has he captained tigers twice already if it won both against wasps once was you know like where we conceded about 60 points it was complete debacle and then another about 18 months later and he captained them at the end of the season and i thought the way he spoke to ref still very aggressive in how he played but the way he organized the team spoke to the ref it was actually just as you commented on there really symbolic of how much he's he's sort of grown in that last 18 months as, as a leader within the team Totally. I think he's now under Steve, he's been given a clarity of what his role is. That's before given the captaincy. And I think all of, you know, he's a young guy at 26. And if you look at where he was three years ago, he's only 23. You know, in that time, you all grow up in life. He's got a little one now. And he's in the right position now to move his career forward. And I think captaincy for Leicester is that step in the right direction for him. 
And, you know, we're coming up to the autumn internationals who want to look to get himself as England's number one loose head. I think, again, giving him the captaincy gives him an extra 5-10% in his performances to really drive him forward. So I think the squad will love it. I think the fans, we all love it. And I think it's it's a great move for, for both the team, the squad and for the club. Completely agree. I, one thing I wanted to pick up on was if you look when whenever he scores a try, he gives himself sort of a bit of a fist pump, uh, maybe maybe a quick smile, but it's never a big deal. If somebody else scores a try, and in particular the junior members of the team or guys who are on the fringes, he is the first one there. He makes it a really big deal. He, he's 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 picking them up, you know, real sort of slaps on the back, and he makes it big for them. And I think that's probably a bit of, you know, just an indication of what Steve is talking about in terms of bringing bringing a squad together. together. But I noticed it for England uh, and noticed it for Leicester last, se- uh, last season as well. I think that is the ca- indicative of how much of a leader he's become now in terms of he bridges that gap between his experience, he's learnt under some of the older boys, and now he's bringing through the younger ones and they look up to him and he's he expects high standards of them. But when they achieve, he's he couldn't be happier for them. Totally, I think he's got. He's had a big role in driving the rebuilding of the culture over the last twelve months, and he mentioned it in his interview over the weekend, where what his morals stand for and what his beliefs are, and I think they do tie in with what Leicester is and what Leicester are as, as a club. You know, he is tough, he is determined, he leads by example, he plays it hard, plays it to the edge, and he always gets a bit of stick from a lot of people outside of Leicester who are. Uninformed. I mean, the amount of nonsense and rubbish you hear attributed to Ellis over the last couple of years is just staggering. And the, the accusations of him being too fiery and too much of a hothead, it's ignorant, I think, because when you actually watch him in a game, he is passionate and he does play at the edge. But so have all great players. Look at Jono. You know, Jono was a, a player that had sometimes a bit of a loose right fist, but he's gone down as one of Leicester's and England's greatest captains. So, I think, you know, everyone outside of Leicester, I think we'll see over the next 12 months what a leader he is. And yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing off the back of it. Yeah, you say ignorance, I say bollocks. The, <laughs> it, 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 I, think, I think the views on, on Ellis Genscher, it's either ignorance or it's it, it's usually some sort of fairly sinister ulterior motive, anti-English, classist, whatever you want it to be. But he's he ruffles feathers. Yes, he does things differently. But he does things the right way. He's commented before that he's, you know, he's not from Leicester. Is that a big deal? It's not, you know, less I think what we've established is just because you're from Leicester doesn't mean you have the right to set the standards of what is Leicester. Leicester before has been set on certain standards, and Ellis has that now, you know, now in particular. Um, and I agree with you. Like Jono, um, Capsi was the making of him. I think it's probably fair to say. And I think it, it hopefully, I think, you know, touch wood, it could well be the making of Ellis but the um, he's going to be well supported uh, as you can tell I've got a man crush on, on Ellis but I've also got a man crush on the vice captain Henry Liebenberg but that, that sounds like a smart choice to me Yeah I think so I think if you if you cast your mind back to last season away at Exeter in the huddle after the game Hanroy was overheard having a chat with the group and he had an interview as well where he said you know for the first half that wasn't acceptable and it isn't the standards that we set as a group but the second half was. And I think he brings, again, that level of maturity and leadership by doing that Ellis, that Ellis brings as well. And I think it's a very good one-two partnership where over the next 12 months, they will work great in coordination together. But for the period of time where Genge is with England, Hanro's going to step up to the breach quite brilliantly. And I think when you listen to Hanro, a really good manner. But I think, again, he's, he's very much the epitome of what Leicester under Steve has, has become plays it exactly the right way, leads by example, never shirks anything. And I think he is a, a great choice as vice-captain. I, I, again, it comes back to the point, in a field of a lot of good good material, captaincy material. So they'll be well supported by the wider group, but I think as captain and vice-captain, I think that's a, a superb choice from Steve. Yeah, he's got that sort of that deep brooding persona, doesn't he? That that And, you know, he's, he's quite an intimidating... Uh, physical presence as well and I think players do follow him and I agree that extra game I thought his leadership in that game was, was outstanding um, and again I, it, like you say it's sensible because not only will Ellis be away in, uh, with England but you've also got to think that as a prop he will generally probably come off at best with 15 minutes ago. Hanro plays 80 minutes week in week out fitness permitting 
And he, I don't think I've ever seen him put in less than a seven out of 10 performance either. Um, Mr. Consistent, so, I'd say. Yeah, completely. And, you know, he's a real fan favourite. So I think it's it's another great choice uh, from my point of view. Uh, you mentioned before, though, that, you know, he does have a team of leaders around him. And one of those guys is, of course, George Ford, who I think, you know, he was probably de facto vice captain. I don't know if it was formal uh, last year, but whenever Tom Youngs was off the field, generally George would play, uh, would stand in as captain. So there's some memories that, you know, is this indicative perhaps of Ford's future? Do you think we can read anything into that? Or do you think that's, you know, looking a bit further than we need to? Yeah, I, I, I can understand where people draw that conclusion from. And it is, there is a logic behind it, I guess. I think, to be honest, Fordy is our, probably going to be, our, well, I say probably, he's definitely our first choice 10. As a result, he's got a big role to play. It's one leadership of the backs but actually leadership of how we want to play and taking ownership of that attacking structure and st- and style of play. And so I don't think you actually need the title of captain or vice captain to be a leader. And I think he will still have a role to play as a senior player, as a leadership um, in the squad. So I think it allows him to concentrate on that leadership role of the backs a lot more. I think you'll take the pressure. If you had gave him the captaincy, I think you'd almost burden him too much. Ford is our key playmaker. Let's just get him out there playing, doing what he does best in taking the backs and playing some good rugby. So he will still have an important role to play as a as a leader. Let's not let's not worry too much of what a title says. I hate the idea of giving fly halves a captaincy. Yeah, it's the most uh, important role in the game, and you know I'm sure lots of forwards will be rolling their eyes at that. But certainly the most vocal. Uh, point in the game is that you've got to manage the attack effectively. You are an on-field coach as a fly-off, particularly someone like Ford and the way he manages uh, the game. I recommend anyone uh, have a look at some of Squidge Rugby's videos of George Ford, who's someone who appreciates him and the way he manages the game. And like you say, if you're trying to get him to talk to the ref and think about, you know, uh, our, our strategy as well on top of that, then I think that that's probably asking you a bit too much. He's a leader anyway. You don't need to be a captain. I suspect he'll still be doing a lot of the talking in the huddle before a game. Ellis and Harrow aren't really going to be giving, you know, Churchillian uh, verses before any game. They'll just be saying, "Let's get out there, lads, and and, and rip their heads off uh, in in you know in their own way." But you know, George will be the one that will be sort of setting standards as well. And I agree. I think I think we'll only really need to get concerned about his future if if uh, Jones. Uh, ill-advisedly jettisons him from the England squad. He's still, you know, with Marcus Smith, they're the two best tens, hands down, by quite a distance in England. Um, and hopefully he, he will still get a shot with England as well. Um, but it, it, just whilst we're all the captaincy, and you've mentioned leaders as well, of course, the outgoing captain, Tom Youngs, uh, we should really say something about him because uh, he's he's captained the ship during some pretty turbulent seas. Absolutely. I Sometimes captaincy in the good times is actually relatively easy because everyone is pulling in the right direction. Things are going well. You've got leadership across the board and you're just the first, effectively just running out first more than anything. That's effectively how your captaincy works. But to be a captain during some of the toughest times on and off the field at Tigers and to have shown his commitment and dedication week on week, put his body on the line and to epitomise what Tigers is all about, sometimes on his own, I think is a testament to the bloke and testament to his leadership that he kept on doing it. And I think the club and the fans owe him a debt of gratitude for taking on that baton in that difficult time and in amongst some pretty horrific personal times for him as well. And to keep fronting up and to keep coming back and to keep leading the charge. I think he'll go down as a superb Tigers captain, even if he doesn't have the um, silverware and honours as captain as others have done. And again, you come back to what we said earlier about George Ford. He will still have a crucial role to play over the next 12 months because whilst he is stepping back from the official captaincy duties, he is senior player, he'll ex-captain, he is going to have a big role to play. And I think it may just suit him for the next 12 months just to have that extra burden took off him so he can go off and enjoy his rugby for the first time in a few years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You think it must be quite nice to have that burden lifted off you. And you think Ellis will hopefully be chewing his ear off, you know, if he's got any questions about the captaincy as well. Uh, I, I don't know if this is true. I, I like to spin rumour. I hear that it was Tom Youngs who gave Ellis 
a lesson, shall we say, when he first rocked up to Tigers and set a standard, you know, Tom Young's lesson using his fists uh, <laughs> into in the traditional Tigers training manner. So it, it's quite nice now if we've got those two sort of now both senior players. Uh, it's got nice symmetry to it, so I like it. But, I mean, I, I've got to be consistent because I, I would say that on, on the pitch, there are times when I sometimes question Tom Young as an on-the-pitch skipper. I think he's sometimes struggled with his relationships with the referees or to get his message across without coming across angry and sometimes getting referees' backs up. Probably indicative of what we saw at the end of the season as well, obviously, with Matthew Carley, although we've all got our views on that. Um, but uh, was it Matthew Carley in the Bristol game? Oh, now you're asking me. Oh, oh. Oh, hello. Right. Well, it, it, either way, it, it, obviously, it didn't end particularly well for, for Young on that one. But what I would say is that I think on the training fields and off the field, like I say, he is an absolute uh, beacon of what the Tigers stand for. And he's a beacon of consistency as well. I think we've had five head coaches with Tom Young as captain. And you can't then keep chopping and changing your captain or your leadership group. Somebody has to be there to stand and say, well, you know, no matter what the coaches are doing, this is what we stand for right now. And I think that he... Uh, he does that better than anyone. And like you, I agree with you. He might not have the silverware, but I think he's been a hell of a captain uh, for, for, for very different reasons to what we might measure other successful Leicester Tigers captains as. Right then, let's move on to the squad changes for this season. And, and on paper, it's yet another season of personnel churn. Uh, it's certainly not as significant or as chaotic as before, although to be fair, the shenanigans after the death of Stalin uh, felt more organised and more mundane in comparison to what happened at Leicester Tigers in 2020. But uh, let's I'll just get, quickly give you, Elliot, a quick run through of the uh, outgoings. Uh, see, this is just the senior and the permanent outgoings, by the way. We've got uh, Lavanini, De Bruyne, Henry, McPhillips, uh, Coughlin, Marfo, Lewis, White, uh, and then we've got Worth, uh, Bonilla and Bauer. Uh, those are the senior guys who are all out permanently. Obviously, there's been certain academy guys who haven't been kept on uh, and several guys on loan in particular to Nottingham who Leicester have got the new tie-up with. Um, obviously, they've all played their part and, and they will all go with uh, our best wishes. But is there anyone in particular who you think you know, you're, you're going to miss from that group? The first time in a while, you look at the outgoings um, list and there's no real major um, faces that jump out and go, oh, we've gutted to have lost him. I think Thomas Lavanini never really showed the consistency um, that we as fans maybe hoped for. Um, great player, sometimes a bit of a penalty magnet. To be fair, sometimes a bit unlucky with referees just picking him out because he had a light blue scrum cap and he was just easy to pick out in a in a mass of bodies. But I think Lavanini's probably the standout one from that list. Um, Johnny McPhillips, I thought, got better as the season went on when he got more of his opportunities and really grew into the role of second choice um, fly half. I think with obviously Freddie Burns coming in, which we'll, we'll touch upon later, that, that, that role would have been a bit more of a challenge for him. So I think from the senior list, of those two, I think, were the ones that, maybe stood out as, as it's a shame to lose from the squad. From the academy side, I know we didn't go into great greater detail, but for, for me, Henry Lavin, I always thought was quite unlucky. I think he got a bit of a bad injury um, over the last couple of years, which sort of prevented his um, game time. And I've seen over recent weeks, he's, he's, he's over at Loughborough and getting some opportunities there. So hopefully Tigers keep tabs on him and bring him back into the fold as, 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 the, uh, as, as, as he gets more game time with those guys. What about yourself, Mike? Well, yeah, it's uh, you basically stole the words right from my mouth right, in terms of Lavanini. I don't think I don't think there's any like, Manu this year, is there? There's no one who we're no. looking at and going, you know, "Oh my God!" You know, how are we going to fill that gap? Uh, you know, we've got lucky enough that we've got some great young talent coming through. And, you know, that's the academy which we'll touch on in a minute. But um, Thomas was the most established member of that group, and like you, I don't think we consistently saw the best of him. Although some games I did think he was colossal, and my old man, uh, my dad, if you're listening, uh, went on and was saying, oh, the best second row performance since Johnson uh, was playing. And, you know, he, he was probably right, but he then followed it up by being anonymous and running in upright and getting absolutely clattered uh, every time he carried. Um, he was a, And he was a card and a penalty machine, although like you, I think that not only was his scrum cap, you know, 
getting him singled out unfairly. I think as well, it was Thomas Lavanini. He must be doing something naughty. Let's ping him. So I, I did think at some points he was a, a wee bit unlucky. Um, you mentioned Johnny McPhillips. I agree with you. Um, I thought he was, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought by the end of the season, he was coming in, really coming into his own and looking really sharp. I wonder if perhaps maybe it was just a bit too little too late, um, perhaps. And you know, by that point, the contracts had already been sorted. Uh, I, I was a big fan of Zach Henry uh, myself. I thought he offered something really different. He was uh, he, he was quick on his feet. We He perhaps didn't fit in the way that we wanted to play at Tigers. So he was a bit unlucky there. But he got a load of stick uh, from some sections of the fan base, which frankly I thought was was uh, unwarranted and nonsense. Uh, and I, I think that uh, he's a real talent. Um, and it's a shame to lose him. Um, the, the, the only other thing, if we go to just quickly mention academy lads, the, the one that I think might be one that got away is, is Ollie Ashworth. Now, he he's one of the academy guys. He seems to have fallen off the radar completely. But in that 2020, uh, I think we'll... 2019 season, wasn't it? When when the or 2018 season when we beat Gloucester in the final, and you had George Martin, JVP, uh, you know all these guys, uh, Freddie Stewart, who, who were tearing it up and are now established first team players. Ollie Ashworth was in that team, and he was man of the match, and he was players' player of the season. Um, back row, and uh, I'm not quite sure where he's gone. He's, I think he went on loan to Hinkley, but uh, he's been released. So obviously something's not quite kicked on for him there. Hopefully, like with Henry Lavin. They'll keep tabs, and we'll manage to. Um, uh, you know, if he if he does pick up, hopefully we'll see him back in the Tigers shirt suit. I think the um, main thing that, if you look at this summer compared to previous, is that if you look at last season to this season, we've kept the bulk of the playing squad that did most of the playing action last that last year. So hopefully um, that will allow for greater continuity and more time um, getting to know each other, getting to play alongside each other. Steve's got more time with him on the training field to get a better idea of his philosophy and his style of play. So I think it just means that in years gone by where we lost, you know, 15, 16 guys and then gained another 15, 16 guys, if you look at that list that you've you've read out, I think they are um, a shame to lose them, but we're not losing a big numbers from the bulk of the main group of players who do a lot of the playing action so I think I think it's great work from from the club in, in keeping that group together completely agree I think uh you know like you say I, I I mean we'll touch on it next week it, we've also got a lot of senior players who are having their first full pre-season with Tigers for the best part of it or more than a decade so I think that's probably going to pay dividends as well uh but we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that properly next week in terms of incomings then um and it's pretty much like like a little bit of salary cap management, I suspect, here as well. But uh, we've got Eli Snyman, second row, Marco van Standen, back row, Francois van Vijk, Lucia Prop, Freddie Burns, oh, don't know what position he plays, Juan Pablo Sacchino, Bryce Hegarty. Uh, we've obviously got lots of lads who have been uh, promoted from the academy, but then we've also got Dan Richardson, Dan Lancaster, uh, Josea Salmaki, and Gareth Evans has just arrived on a short-term deal. Um Who's sort of, you know, really pricked your interest there? I think there's a, a real good group of players coming in. I think it's covered a lot of a lot of bases where you've got guys at the younger end, like Lancaster and Richardson, who have got time for growth, and people like um, Snyman and Van Staden, who are going to come in and, and add value straight away. I think the standouts for me are Van Staden. I think if you look at um, his contributions over the last few weeks against the Lions and then Argentina, he is an absolute colossus. He's, he's a bowling gonna, ball, isn't he? Like, like he's, he's going to be, smash some blokes up. Yeah, he, he's meant to be sort of good over the ball, but uh, as opposed to a carrier. But I've seen him; he just he's like sort of Stefan Armitage in his pomp. It's uh, it's really impressive. I mean, if you look, I thought Jasper Visa was a uh, a bowling ball. I think Van Staden's going to run him close. I think the Liebenberg Van Staden Visa back row is something that's going to be. It's going to make us as fans very excited, and it's going to make a lot of uh, opposition forward coaches tremble the night before uh, we get to play them because I think that that back row I mean we're blessed with great back row options but that those three in particular are just going to do some damage to, for, for Tigers in the next 12 months it is a, a colossus of a signing Springbok um, A back row that we've got going on there I mean get the biltong in because those boys are <laughs> going to need it because I mean you did like you said the ball carrying is the element that surprised me because um 
he's a big old boy. He's a big unit, and he's gonna he's gonna cause some damage. So I think Van Staden is the is the is the main one that stood out. And I think so if you look at you look at the the rest of the signings, we've really boosted our backup options um, across the board now. And I think some really good signings and really clever signings that actually complement um, the squad really well and actually will fit in nicely throughout different points of the season with international call-ups. So Freddie Burns, for example, we, we, we all know Freddie from before. I think he's a, a, a 10 that most of the league would want in their squad. And I think a lot of teams would have him as first choice 10. And I think you, we've already, we know what Freddie brings. And I think he will, he will bring a lot to the de- development of the playing style. And then, great character and Bryce, as well. Yeah, great, great guy. I think he's a bit of a personality. And again, we talk about leadership. The guy's 30 now. And he's been around, played a lot of rugby and gone overseas to, to play his rugby. He's going to add value to the dressing room, both in terms of the banter and the, the lightheartedness, but also just bringing his experience to our youngest squad members. I think he will and he'll do some bits there. And I think Bryce Hegarty, I think he's a really good, versatile sign-in really clever and I think it's a perfect backup to um, Freddie Stewart as he's inevitably going to be called away with England a lot over the next 12 months. So I think Hegarty, really clever signing that will mean that we don't suffer any um, any loss of continuity when F- young Freddie's away. I agree. I think it's the first time as well where, yeah, you might be able to say some guys are first choice, but you don't really now see that that definitive first team and second team. And I think yeah. that's the quality uh, that, we, that we're getting evened out across the squad. Uh, you know, there are some unknowns there. I think, you know, Snyman, I've got to confess, don't know a lot about him, apart from the fact that he's big. You know, South African second row, shocker. Um, Freddie, you know, uh, um, is going to be great, I'm sure. Uh, like you say, he's 30. He's been round loads, but he still plays like a, you know, sort of like with that, you know, young exuberance, which is brilliant. And I hope to see more of his, uh, his, his Russian dancing in the changing room. Apparently there's a uh, there's an X-rated version that Ben Youngs has on his phone, but uh, I don't think we're going to get our hands on that anytime soon. I don't think we want to either. The the, the, the exciting one for me, or perhaps you know, the, 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 my tip from just having <laughs> looked at a few YouTube videos and seen him against jerseys, Isaiah Samaki uh, from from Yokohama, uh, Yokohama. Sorry, he he looks like he could be a secret weapon for us. I think this season he's got great feet. Uh, he's got that tongue and sidestep, i.e. he just goes through people, super strong. Um, and I think that he could very well be a real a real game breaker. And I hope, hope he sort of manages to get some game time and get up to speed because he, he's clearly a talented lad. But, um, but I mean, a, apart from that, I, I mean, it, it seems to me that we've covered pretty much most bases. But is there any areas where you think we've, we've perhaps, we still look a little light? No, actually, I, I come back to the point you've just mentioned where, for the first time in a very long while, we don't really have a definitive first choice 15. Because if you look at the guys now, we've got 40 guys across the board who you'd be more than happy to have playing on, on a Saturday or Sunday for, for, for the Tigers. And I think that means that it puts Tigers in a great position where they can rest and rotate players and, and freshen players up and, and move people about. So I think as fans, we're going to have to maybe get used to... to, to seeing changes being made every week. But I think that's I think that's important. Steve's already said that he's surely shown that he's capable of doing that. In terms of it, have we missed anything? I don't think we are. You'd always want another second row just to maybe boost the things. But if you look at the options that we've got now, there's a like you say with George Martin and Ollie Chesham that cover both four and six. I don't think we're really missing too much. It's a really good blend of youth and experience. Really good um mixture of guys that can of good depth now if you look at every position we've got two or three players that can that can step in across the board so for me I think we've got recruitment spot on and I think it builds on the last couple of recruitment rounds that we've done where the players coming in add something if I'm being super picky super picky go on go on so we've we've lost I think two two good out and out turns in Henry and Phillips and we've brought in one out and out 10 burns and then probably three guys who can play 10 in terms of Sacchino, um, Egerty and Lancaster. We know they can all, all play 10 or can play 10, but I don't know if it's their preferred position or, or where they're best suited. So I just wonder, we are going to be relying on, on Burnsy quite a lot, particularly if Ford, uh, Ford's away. Uh, that'll be my my only one question mark, but hopefully I'll get 
proven completely and utterly wrong, and I'll be delighted about that. Uh, and the other thing, I thought, well, we're probably lacking out and out, you know, sprinter pace on the wings. But then I, I did think to myself, well, you know, you probably only need that if you're playing in a certain way. Actually, if you've got your wingers working off their wing a lot, competing in the air, which is probably how more how we're going to play, then having that, you know, complete express pace probably isn't completely necessary. As long as they can run faster than I can on the wing, which let me tell you is not hard, then uh, and and they're infinitely better than me, then I'm sure that they'll be um, that. that that, that won't be a problem. But, you know, even looking aside from all the incoming players, senior players coming in, we've got so many good prospects in the academy. Is there anyone in particular who you're tipping to have a breakout year this year? I mean, it's a real great question because there's so many young players now in the squad who are really going to kick on, I think. I think there's a trio of names I'm going to throw at you who I think will really kick on um, this year. And then James Whitcomb, Nick Dolly and Will Hurd. And I think if you cast your mind back to the scrum against Connacht. Have, uh, you, have you just picked out a front row as the ones to watch? I mean, the front rows come as a unit. I mean, they're, 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 they're that. Who's, that bri- who's bribed you? Have the ABC club been on the phone? So make sure when you pick out the young, exciting tyros, make sure you pick out the front row. This is unheard of. I'm always open for bribery, Mike. I'm always open for bribery. (laughs) Good to know. But no, I think that scrum against Connick, they held it pretty, pretty, pretty steady. And it gave a great platform for Visa to pick and go and barge over for the last scrum of the game. And I think of those three, I think those, all of them will have great years for us. I think James Whitcomb is the the standout from that, um, from that trio. Made a a flurry of appearances late on towards the back end of the season including away at Worcester, which I was in attendance at. And it got pretty hairy in the last 10, 15 minutes where we were under a lot of pressure to hold out for the win. And we had a scrum in our own 22, which was a great defensive effort. And he was the one that gained us the penalty. And I think if you look at that, I think he's got a great 12 months where I think he'll he'll build upon those initial appearances and I think we'll really kick on. So I think and there's plenty to look out for. Mine would be James Whitcomb. Completely, completely agree with you. To be honest, you've stolen my name yet again. I think that um, he's a he's a great sort of setup behind Genge in that he's what five six years behind him, and at the moment, so he's got a great mentor there. He came on a huge amount of that last six months. I thought, in, particularly in the scrummaging department, he's um, he he you know a guy that young should should be a bit of a target really for tight heads, frankly. And by the end of it, not only was he holding his own, he was he was getting a shove on, he was winning penalties, as you've pointed out. In terms of the, in terms of the rest of the guys, you know, you could pick any of them really to go and get international honours this year. Anyone from Cameron Henderson, who I think is a real a real find, and obviously we've got Dan Kelly, George Martin, and Freddie Stewart have all got uh, caps. JVP's captaining under twenties, and I think that he could be in with a shout of you know, getting the baton at, at club and international level from 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 Youngsy, and, and that's. That's no disrespect to Yancey. I think he's fantastic, but I think uh, JVP's progression is is great. George Martin, for me, is I'm going to say has been the one who will step up and go up another level. I think that I was surprised not to see him in the England squad. I wonder if it was because Jones sent him back. I remember England did a George Ford a few years ago, so go before he sort of broke onto the international scene. So go back, do your conditioning because it will set you up for your professional career. And having a look at George Martin now, not only has he shaved his head, so he looks infinitely meaner, he also, he just looks, he looks lean, muscular. He looks like an absolute unit. Uh, and if he picks up on his carrying uh, and, and gets that to match what he does in defence and his general work rate, I think he could end up being a hell of a player. So uh, I agree with Whitcomb. I'm going to throw Martin in there as a the guy to take another step as well this season. I mean, anyone that absolutely chops Nathan Hughes... Repeatedly, repeatedly is going to do well and having stood behind him um, at Twickenham in May I can confirm he is a big old boy he is big and if he's bulked up with Valid over the summer he's going to do some damage uh, Nathan Hughes will be pissing his pants well <laughs> <laughs> not that I would say that's Nathan Hughes's face but uh, well, but that's where George Martin comes in handy so, so that's fine he can do it for me right so that's on the pitch. Let's have a quick look at the staff changes as well. So I'll just quickly run through them. So we've got Mike Ford out, possibly unlucky. Sir Kevin Sinfield, as far as I'm concerned, uh, coming in. Obviously, no real rugby union experience. So yeah, is that potentially a risk? Uh, and I think one of the things we discussed before when we were talking about the podcast, one gap in the Leicester Tigers 
coaching lineup is that attack coach. That's still not been filled. What are your thoughts on all that? I think if you look at defence for starters, I think Mike was always in the wrong role as attack coach and moving him across the last, yeah. last 12 months to, to defence was a great move. And the results bore out and we did make great strides in defence. I think if you look at the organisation front, um, we really were aggressive in defence. We were really well organised and it caused a lot of problems. Would you like some stats in terms of the improvement made from for defence? Hit me. I'm glad you said yes. It'd be a, be a bit of a waste if you said no then. So we've gone con- from conceding 609 points and 79 tries when he wasn't defence coach. That was the second worst in the league, by the way, that was. Um, and the, the only team with the worst record in both fronts was London Irish. And we last season, we conceded 492 points and 62 tries, which was the fifth best in the league on both fronts. So that's a massive set of strides, you would say, once Mike Ford had really sort of dug in as defence coach. Um, and uh, uh, But we were still in the negatives for both try, you know, in terms of try scored, conceded, points scored, conceded, which, again, points us to the attack coach. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave you to carry on about Mike Ford. I just wanted to show you that I have done my research. No, I, I love a stat, and I think that's uh, a great stat. It's funny that you mentioned about the numbers. We talk about the 79 tries that was conceded that previous year. It is worth remembering that that included two massive shellackings away at Bristol and away at Wasps. So, which With the kids. Yeah, I mean, there are obviously mitigations there. Yeah, Maybe that, if you actually look at that as an improvement of 17 tries, those two games, I think, covered 15, 16 tries. So maybe Steve just looks at it and thought, actually, is it that much of an improvement? Maybe. I'm not sure. You look at it. So I, I'm neutral on whether Mike's unlucky or not. I think he did have a great year last year as defence coach. And I think he is, he is probably a bit unlucky to, to be leaving us. But there could be any other many reasons why he's, he's moving on, which, yeah. which we won't know. So we obviously we thank him for his, for his time with us. And he did... Like I say, he did improve Tiger's defence and he had a great role to play in that time. If you look at the replacement coming in, you've mentioned that he's a bit inexperienced at the at the union front, which I I, I completely get. And I think we it is a bit of a gamble um, on that front because we don't know how it's going to play out. But if you look at uh, Andy Farrell, Sean Edwards, they've all come from a league um, background into union defence coaching. So Sinfield is, and to be fair to Mike Ford as well. So Sinfield does follow in a, a line of, of progression of, of coaches doing the same trip. So I think if you look at Sir Kev, as we are now going to call him, or Super Kev, as, Super Alan Kev. Drops, <laughs> yeah, as Alid is determined. So we on this podcast are determined to uh, help out Alid in his cause to make it stick. We can get that as a jingle, actually. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that as a, the Super Kev jingle. Absolutely. I think that could be a great addition. So I think if you look at Super Kev, he's going to follow in a great line of um, of league coaches converting. He's had a great career in league. He's, he's won it all with Leeds. So I think he's going to bring some transferable skills. And I know we're going to talk about Jersey in a, it, later on in the pod. I think if you look at the, the line speed, especially in that Jersey game, I was very, very impressed with, with what we were doing. So on first impressions, doing well so far. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I should say that, you know, despite what I said about Sir Kev uh, not being uh, experienced in rugby union, I think what he brings from that rugby league background, it's a very transferable skill. And and particularly, you've got that 50-22 rule coming in to play as well this season, haven't you? And, and the way yes. that that rugby league players marshal that backfield, they've obviously only got 13 guys um, in the team instead of 15, means you have to be able to manage that space a lot better. And I think, that having that rugby league mentality will be particularly important, as well as that line speed, reading layers of attacking runners and how to read that play. I think that's that's super important. So I think he'll be great. Mike Ford, like I say, I think he perhaps, you know, if, if Zakeb wasn't available, um, he, 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 I would say he's, he's unlucky. And perhaps he is. He does come with a certain rep, Mike Ford. I've got no idea how much of it is true, how much of it is nonsense. So I'm not going to comment on it. So like you say, there, there may be there may be other reasons there. Um he, there's no doubt he is he is quite a dominating character. So perhaps, you know, this, is, this could be more of Steve saying, look, this is my way. And perhaps, you know, with respect, you've got different ideas to me. Um, and, and that's the way it's gone. But uh, for, for me, I, I suppose I am still a little bit concerned about the lack of attack coach. We, 
is it's I think last year we, we were limited in how we played. The pack was great. And actually, you know, the backs did their job very well in defending, but there was very little threat, I thought, that came out wide. Despite us, generally, I think we did have the players to, to cause a threat. And I, I think that is just a difference between, if you look at the way even, oh, I hate to say it, Northampton played. They had a real clarity of purpose and speed about what they were doing. They had decoy runners, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's something that I think that we're lacking. Now, it, it may well be that somebody has picked it up. It could be Matt Smith. Uh, and, you know, that's not necessarily going to be a bad thing. Sam Vesti's done a great job as a, as a young coach, uh, obviously over at Northampton. Matt Smith can do the same, but there just seems to be a bit of a lack of clarity about it at the moment from the club. Uh, perhaps we'll find out more in the, in the coming weeks. That would be my only gripe, I think. I think I think Matt Smith has been the allocated sort of attack coach. I think he'll be well served with Wigglesworth, Ben Youngs, and George Ford to help lead the the attacking ideas and Freddie Burns as well. So I think there's there's, there's there'll be plenty there to sort of add voices to it. I think when it comes to the last twelve months, I think the, if we go back to twelve months ago, we really did not have a prop, enough time to go through a proper pre-season. And if you look at the the challenges the coaching team faced to put a team together, considering the list of problems they inherited, I think a style of play was picked that did a job and could help fit in line with the other problems that they had. And so in the list of priorities, the attack just fell away slightly compared to all the other issues that they had to take. So, And they found a game plan which they they maximised to its nth degree and they, they took it probably as far as they could. And I think when you look when Ford did come back with Youngs from the international period, we took great leaps forward with um, trying to move the attack forward. And I think with another you know, eight, nine weeks of pre-season in, behind them and have had plenty of time to, to discuss those ideas and to implement them. I think it's, I don't think there's any excuses if the attack, I'm not expecting them to be, you know, the all blacks here, but I am expecting, you know, a lot more variety to play, a lot more uh, deception, a lot more decoy runners and just a bit more attacking structure, which actually, like you say, we've got some great backs now. It'd be great if we can utilise them and, and, create those opportunities out wide for the likes of Nadolo and Hosea to be running in those tries. Nadolo doesn't finish opportunities. He creates his own opportunities and he finishes them. Would this put out Nadolo going forward? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that bloke is just an absolute marvel. But again, if you if you look at his tries last season, Namani, he, he scored quite a few tries and that's with a game plan that didn't really suit his strength. So, I think if you look, if you're a winger now, I think I don't think you bring in the likes of Freddie Burns. I don't think you have George Ford and Freddie Burns to your ten if he's going to kick up and unders for, for the full eighty minutes. I think there is going to be a um, a lot more variety. Well, I'd, I'd like to think there will be a lot more variety and a lot more ball in hand and a lot more uh, continuity of, of the backs to try and create those opportunities. Right, now we've forensically gone through the squad. Obviously, Tugs have already played one game. Um, due to time constraints, we won't do the deep dive we would usually do. But uh, a 17-7 win away at Championship Jersey. Uh, we had Porter, Salmaki and a young Jacob Kusix all scoring the tries. Well, three wingers, I'll point out there. Um, job done for as far as pre-season goes? Yeah, I think so. I think pre-season friendly is always a tough one to judge because a lot of it is about getting fitness, minutes in the legs, check, testing some combinations. But I think if you were to look at that as a sort of those three tests of, of, of what to look for in a pre-season friendly, I, I think um, Steve and the rest of the coaching team will be will be happy with that. I think there's some, some, um, some good moments in there. I think the, the style of play was more developed from, from what we saw last year. We, we tried a few things and which obviously you've got to in a friendly. Plenty of young faces in there as well who will have uh, enjoyed having their first experience. As you mentioned, young Cusick there to score with his, uh, pre, I think, first touch of the game as well. I think will do his confidence a bit of good. Good for the new signings to, to sort of blend in. So, yeah, I think across the board, I think they'll be, um, as from first friendly down, I think they'll take that and use that as a sort of a good barometer of where they are and what they need to work on over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, what a feeling that must be for Kusick. I mean, he, he does look, look a bit like the lost Weasley twin. Um, you're not going to miss him. He's yes. a big, tall guy, flaming red hair, 
first touch of the ball, senior rugby scores a try for Tigers. This is easy. Uh, expect more of the same, I'm sure. No, uh, that's that's brilliant. But was there anyone who stood out for you looking at the players? Again, knowing it's hard to judge. I think there was a, um, it's a bit of a shame that he went off injured. And I think I saw a couple of tweets saying it wasn't quite as bad and it was a bit of a precaution. He was, he was okay with it. I think Freddie Burns actually um, had a real um, good reintroduction back to Tigers. And I think his his creativity for the second try for Hosea, I think was a, a great moment where it's a sort of moment that you, you, you bring in Freddie Burns for, whether it was a pre-planned move or he called it because he saw the opportunity to, Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Was was it a set move or was it Burns spotting something? What do you think? I think he, I think he saw it. I don't think it was a planned move. I think he called it and I think he wrapped around. So that would be my prediction. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty cool. But then when I, I rewatched it, because I'm sad like that, they had such an interesting setup on the open side. They had, I think they had Matt Scott sort of at first receiver, Sacchino lurking around. I didn't even know where Burns was. I think he was, you know, sort of off, you know, on a third layer of attack. And it was all looked, I mean, this could have been part of the decoy setup, of course, but it all looked as if it was going to be sort of like a multiple layer swing round on an attack on the open side. So that makes me think that Burns has said, no, cancel. They're, they're, they're flooding to the open side too quickly. and We've got a big space there. Totally. I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt, to be fair. So we'll give Freddie benefit and say that he's uh, that he called what he saw. So it's the sort of try that you bring him in for, and it created that two-on-one, and it set us away. So I think he did well. Uh, I think there's some nice co- combinations in the centres. I think that built on really well. Someone that I thought stood out for me, actually, was um, Hegarty at fullback. I think he was good under the high ball, and and... Interestingly, he didn't kick it that often when he got the ball. A lot of the times when the fullbacks and the backfield players got the ball last year, their first thought was to put up an undeserved or to kick it in some sort of shape or form. Hegarty didn't. He was very much one who was prepared to run it a lot more and to try and use a side step or a, a bit of a, a change in line to try and um, gain an advantage. So I think he, um, I think he did well on that front. So I think, I think considering it was a uh, first hit out. They'll be pleased with that. I have to say, the JVP and Freddie Burns combination could be one really to get excited by. I mean, the tempo that JVP brings, we all know about, but it was in evidence again on, on Friday night and it really got the ball moving out. And I think if we've, we are going to start playing a more varied game and a bit of a quick game and a good tempo, I think those two really, they've, they've shone in that half an hour what they're all about. And I think that's a um, you know, holds us in good stead, to be fair. Yeah, you stood up for yourself. Well, I, I agree. I thought Burns was a general for the first 15 minutes in terms of how he varied the play. It's so is JVP, to be fair. Um, you know, he variation is the key. So many years now we've had it. Oh, look, it's going from nine to a forward, standing still. And he's getting tackled behind the game line. And <laughs> you, you, you know, and that was that was our attack, basically. And now you've got and the, and the biggest compliment I give to JVP reminds me of Ben Young's when he when he broke through. You know, he he is, and that is the that is a genuine compliment. I know some people who are wrong don't rate Ben Young's, but particularly when he was breaking through, he had that awareness to pick, look, see what the options, and vary his approach. Uh, and you know, I think JVP's got that, and so does so does Ben, so does Ford. And so I think when you combine, start combining those halfbacks, it does look really exciting. As long as they've got that license to probe and look for the inside pass, look for the runners off their shoulders, I think it's really, really good. You don't have to play wide to play creatively, as long as you've got runners and options. And yeah, so I thought I, I agree. I thought I thought that looked really promising. I think we did lose away a little bit when Burns went off. That's to be expected. Apart from that, I thought the wingers looked good. You know, I, I mentioned Samaki. I think not only his try well taken. As soon as he got half a yard, you realise he was gone. Nobody's tackling those tree trunks once they get going. And then, but some great feet as well in, in tight spaces. A couple of sit downs, which is nice to see. And Guy Porter, I'm a massive Guy Porter fan. I think he is excellent. I'd love to see him get a run in the centres where I think he's at his best. But a few times, you know, he he sort of he stepped in off his wing. You think he's running sideways, then bang, he he breaks, and he's a he's a strong boy. He's a strong lad, and he breaks yards in contact each time. So I thought he was uh, he was impressive. George Martin, he, he starts at eight, not his favourite position, obviously. Probably just a need to must rather than any indication, but uh, of where he might be playing the season. Uh, bit quiet in parts, but there were times when he got the ball, and it looks like he's been given that. Uh, 
he's been given that license to carry this season, sort of carry aggressively. Hopefully, we'll see that because he, he he looks even bigger than before this season, as I've said before. But um, you know, that's that's all the positive side of stuff. And you know, I don't think anyone had you know bad games or anything like that. But do, do you think there was any areas of concern from your point of view? I think it's always hard to tell, um, especially in first pre-season friendly and we you know we got a win out of it I think you mentioned it there a slight lack of direction uh when Burns went off I think there they, they may be a, a bit of concern there but I think that'll that'll it'll grow into that as as they start getting into it properly I think the uh, there's a couple of injuries I think they'll be concerned um Chesham went off at early doors so hopefully that wasn't too um, serious he actually landed Burns, badly from a line out and then he played on for about five to ten minutes before he went off so you just hope he hasn't made it a lot worse because that, that would be a sickener uh, but hopefully that's an indication it's not that bad same with Freddie yeah, I think yeah I, I think in both those cases I think the coaching staff quite rightly took um, precaution on them and, and, and got them off because it's like you said, there is no value to be gained by playing on in those circumstances. It is a free pre-season friendly. So I think they'll be, I think they'll be more pleased by um by the defensive effort, by the line speed, by the fact they've variety of play um, that they got going. I think there's a few errors, a few handling errors, a few disappointed penalties to be given away. There's a couple of scrum penalties that went against us in the first half, which doesn't normally happen. So I think they'll be they'll be reviewing that um as such. But I think there'd be more ticking boxes more than anything for, for the coaching staff. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's anything to get too worried about. The only thing that I did raise an eyebrow with was the, the kickoff receipt. Uh, I thought that we were all over the place with that. And that, whether it's pre-season or in a game, we should not be letting the ball go over our heads, letting it bounce or anything like that. And I think, I think that happened on every restart. So that is a really basic issue that we need to sort out. That's just positioning and communication. Um, hopefully they'll be working on that uh, this week. Um, I thought the line, I, I thought Nick Dolly was excellent around the park, I've got to say, uh, but the line-out did start to fall apart a little bit um, that with some underthrows and uh, uh, overthrows. So I think that, you know, Steve, Steve more than anyone, might be particularly happy about that. So I suspect there'll be extra, extra line-out training. Obviously, it's not always uh, the, the hookers issue. Um, the scrum ones... I was slightly less concerned with because I don't think I've ever seen a loose head drive in at more of an angle than the Jersey guy. He was lit- literally 90 degrees on her, just coming straight across him. You can see, <laughs> you can see her going, you, you can't let him scrummage like that. It was absolutely ridiculous. I think a better ref would have picked it up. Um, so I'm not overly worried about that. I, I agree with the penalties front. I think a lot of that was, you know, we're trying to play a bit quicker, trying to dictate the tempo, slow it down, speed it up when we want to. And I think that sometimes... We sometimes let players get isolated and let those jackals get over the ball. Um, but again, that's that's a fitness and communication thing and hopefully that's something to work on. But I agree, job done. We're looking forward to seeing a, a couple of friendlies at home now. Yeah, definitely. I think, well, good opportunity. One, to get back at Welford Road again, but also to see the rest of the squad. I mean, if you look at the, the, the lads that were picked for Friday night, I mean, that just shows you the good depth of, of squad that we've got now where it was, I mean, it was a good squad that was um, given. It wasn't a whole youngsters approach, but it was actually a nice blend of, of, of different ages and of different experiences, which worked quite nicely. And then you look at the names that weren't mentioned who are going to get uh, a run out over the next um, two games. I think they'll be, um, they'll be really looking forward to it. So I'm intrigued to see who Steve goes with uh, for Saturday for Saturday afternoon. So either way, I'm sure it'd be a bit of a mixed um, job again and, and then a, a, a real strong squad the week week after but yeah I think they'll be um, looking forward to getting back home and, and having another run out Rightio you'll be pleased to hear that we are on the final furlong for this debut pod um, on its last legs you might say but we've just got to tie up the uh, uh, the rest of the news that we've got Tigers related news we've got uh, first uh, other bit of big news, which is really exciting, uh, although it's a bit belated if we're being picky. Uh, it's the tie with Litchfield Rugby Club uh, to form a Leicester Tigers women's side, which is currently named Litchfield Leicester Tigers. Um, I think about time. I mean, the details on how it's uh, going to operate in practice is still coming out. Uh, but at this stage, I've only got one demand, which is sign Emily Scarrett immediately. She's ex-Litchfield. She's a Tigers fan. 
my wife is a bit concerned about how much I talk about Emily Scott. I don't care. I want to see her running out at Welford Road, please. She's brilliant. Absolute superstar. But that's really exciting. And obviously, we wish uh, everyone involved in that all the best of luck going forward. Yeah, totally. I think it's it's great that we've got one. Um, like you said, it's about time. And even better news is that Saints haven't got one with beating them to it. So we can say uh, that we can stick one on them for for being so slow on it. So no, I think it's great news all around, really. And um, I think it's generated a bit of excitement across the fan base and rightly so. So uh, intrigued to see how it all plays out. Exactly. And beating Saints, as we all know, is, you know, all that matters, really. Uh, anyway, uh, the next point is we need to give a massive shout out to uh, Leicester Tigers wheelchair rugby players, Gavin Walker, Jamie Stead, Jack Smith and Nick Cummings for winning Great Britain's first ever, I gather, uh, gold medal uh, in wheelchair rugby with a win over the USA at the weekend. Uh, I've only watched a little bit of wheelchair rugby myself. It looks absolutely crazy. You wouldn't catch me doing that. It's it's absolutely insane. So brilliant achievement all round. Yeah, top stuff, boys. It's, uh, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted of the sport. So uh, hopefully it's the first bit of Leicester Tiger silverware for the uh, for the season. Yeah, we're claiming that. That's right. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But it's Yoink. great to see Tiger's involvement. Uh, and uh, last of all, and of course, probably probably the most important thing of all, of course, is uh, we're going to talk about the kit this season. Uh, Elliot, I'll just pass it straight over to you, mate. What do you think? I think it looks uh, really, really smart. And to be fair, this isn't a video podcast, obviously, but uh, what you can't see is uh, is my colleague modelling the training gear uh, whilst we're recording this. And it looks great. That's just the model, mate. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But I think across the board, for the first time in a long while, uh, all the kit looks absolutely uh, superb. Uh, I think the home shirt, I think there's a few people disappointed that the red stripe didn't go across the board, but I was happy with the, uh, the home shirt as it was. Um, and I think the away shirt as well um, looks really good. So I think I've just got to try and save up and, uh, and and get some pennies in the bank to be able to go and spend it. But uh, it all looks um, absolutely superb. Yeah, I, I've, I've got very few complaints for once about the kit. And I am I'm a real winter when it comes to, to kits, particularly during the, what I now class as sort of fairly dark kukri years. Um, but I mean, first, yeah, I do want to say that Samurai could probably issue us with yeah, dare I say, even a Northampton kit, and I'd still say it was it was probably better than some of the stuff Kukri put out. I don't have anything against Kukri per person, but any, anything that I had, any training gear I bought from Kukri uh, from the Tigers back seemed to fall apart um, after after two trips around my washing machine. Um, I really like the away kit. Um, I like the white front, and I think the design on the back is really good. Um, home kit's growing on me. As you mentioned, I'm not sure. I, I like the, ro- uh, the red stripes, which sort of stop halfway around it. Looks a little bit like a council worker clocking off early when he's supposed to be doing the double yellows. But, you know, it just looks like it's somebody's forgotten to finish it kind of thing. And um, but in fairness, it did look good well on the players when they were in action. Uh, I have to give a tip of the cap to uh, James Ladd. Uh, he's a big Tigers fan who designed the Tiger mural. That's that sort of under, oh, underneath it. It's brilliant, isn't it? I think it looks so good. And it's obviously uh, just a great bit of artwork. It's really iconic already, I think. Uh, I think it's the best bit on, on both the shirts, to be honest. Uh, but the, the training kit, uh, like last year, I think is absolutely brilliant. As you say, I've already gone and spanked last week's uh, uh, paycheck uh, on, on the new training kit. That's the sort of the blue pink sort of Picasso style thing that's going on here. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, they've got the ringer shirts, I think, which look really cool. Again, again, it, I take my money. I say my money, take my mum's money because that's what she's getting on the Christmas list, birthday list, everything for it. But basically the day I stop asking for Tiger stuff is the day that Tiger shares take a nosedive. I think I'd also add to that um, in the club shop as well at the moment, the heritage shirts that have gone on sale over the last few weeks. Oh, they're cool, aren't they? The, the remakes of the um, of the two European Cup winning shirts, I think, is an absolutely superb addition to the uh, club shop. I know the retro range last year was 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 pretty good. I think those two shirts, um, in particular, stood out as being uh, very very smart. So I think that's again where my uh, uh, wages will be uh, will be spent over the next few weeks. I think. Right. Well, here endeth the first Rolling Mall pod. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please rate and subscribe. 
Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with a full look at the league and taking uh, a stab at predicting the final table. We'll also have a go at uh, picking our first choice team and potentially a team for Exeter. Elliot, thanks for the pleasure of your company. Thank you very much, Mike. And we will see you next week. Cheers, guys.